Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Video Jason. I appreciate that. Um, I think there's a rumor swirling around. I don't know if it's mine to share, but apparently blisters have gotten the better of Jason's tootsies. And uh, so he had to cut it short. Now, when I say cut it short, that's after like 200 miles walking in the woods, but not not the goal he was striving for, but uh, I, I think he's kind of laying low and just kind of chill and rest and in a different way than he was planning on resting. His idea of rest is to walk for 500 miles, but maybe for some of you it's a little different. I am TJ. Uh, we did go to high school together in Conestoga, didn't know each other till later, as he said. Uh, my beautiful wife, who in, uh, came up with the jasmine lime flavor that's in the back, is sitting right here in the second row. And sitting next to her is my son, Jackson. We also have a little bit, bit of big family news today because Meg and I are meeting Jackson's girlfriend's parents today. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. So they'll be here after the service, and we're going out to brunch and meet the parents kicks into high gear. So looking forward to that. They look like lovely people, so looking forward to it. We are, in fact, talking about... Uh, the Holy Spirit, and uh, so why don't, we, uh, why don't we start off with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for this opportunity, Lord. We love you. Uh, we thank you for Pastor Jason and the way that he has just, um, just lovingly, faithfully shepherded this flock for so many years, God, and we pray that you would give him rest if it's true that, that blisters got the better of him on his hike, I'm sure he's a little disappointed, but this may be your opportunity to give him another kind of rest, a rest that he needed even more than he needed to walk. And so we thank you for him, Lord. We pray him safely back to us and to shepherding this flock and uh, pray for this day and the words that I will speak, that they be from, from your word and not my own. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, uh, as he mentioned, uh, I do uh, run a, a ministry and a company called Humankind. The bottles are in the back. They're across the street at Mom's Organic Market. Our goal and our quest is to get people clean drinking water. That was something that the Lord pulled me out of the youth ministry that I had done pretty much my entire adult life to, to get people clean drinking water. It is a huge crisis not using my opportunity this morning for a commercial for that, and I thank you that Jason already did that. But if you do have any questions about humankind and the ministry of getting people who are deprived of, of life's most basic necessity, clean drinking water, please talk to me, talk to my wife, talk to my son. They'll tell you everything that you would you'd want to know about uh, just what a huge need it is. This morning, in just a minute, we're going to talk about... Uh, how the Holy Spirit is like chocolate milk. But before we get to that, you're going to see how the youth men thing comes in because a lot of the illustrations are just kind of youthy. So, uh, but, but before I do that, I want to tell you the story. Uh, I, you, you can't really tell it by my girlish figure, but I like to ride my bike a lot. That's my way of working out. And I like to go out and, and ride and... Uh, I just, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, one time I was, I was out riding and I got passed 
by Team Motorola, which if any of you hang around Maniunk once a year, you'll realize, you'll recall that that every year there is a huge race in Maniunk. For a while, it was the biggest one-day race on the pro cycling tour, and I got passed by those guys, and I had an opportunity. Would I ride with them, or would I just spectate and let them go? I'll share, I'll share that story with you in just a second as well. Before I do that, I want to tell you about a time I went down to the shore, and I was at Harvey Cedars. I was headed towards Harvey Cedars on Long Beach Island. And there was this duck waddling across the road. I saw this duck about two or three cars up. And he was just kind of waddling his way into the middle of the road. It's a very narrow highway, one lane in each direction, one lane that way, one lane this way. And he's about halfway into the road and he gets right in front of the car that's two cars ahead of me. And I'm sure this car is going to plow into this duck and the duck is dead. And at the last second, I'm not kidding, he sees the car coming out of the corner of his eye, and without even turning around, he like duck moonwalks backwards to get out of the way, and the car passes by. And so now it's one car ahead of me, and he continues waddling in front of him, and then he sees the the next, and he duck moonwalks backwards again, and the car passes by. And I'm like, what is going on? And now it's my turn. And the duck has waddled right in front of me. I've got four kids in the car, youth men folks, and we're going down to do this retreat thing. I'm like, I will tap the brakes to slow down and spare this duck, but I'm not going to like swerve and hit a telephone pole to sit the duck. If the duck doesn't move, (laughs) the duck's dead. Daffy Taffy, like dead duck, road pizza, forget it, right? So at the last second, again, he duck moonwalks out of the way, and I pass by. And I'm driving along. And I'm really curious now because I've fallen in love with the duck, right? And I'm, I'm looking in the rearview mirror and trying to figure out, like, is there another car behind me? Will he try again? Will he try? And all of a sudden it dawns on me as I'm driving. You stupid duck. Don't you know you can fly? And that's my message for you today. You stupid ducks. Don't you know you can fly? No. When we look at... That's all I got. When we look at the scripture that... that that talks about the Holy Spirit. If you want to talk about a definition of the Holy Spirit and you have just one word to do it, you would say the definition of the Holy Spirit is God. That's it. There is God the Father, there is God who is the Son, and there is God who is entirely the Holy Spirit. However, that's not a complete definition. And to see some of the nuances of what it is that the Holy Spirit does, His person and His work, we look at the book of Galatians. If you have the Bible with you, you may look at it in Galatians chapter 3, or you can read along on the overhead screen. Here's what Paul says as he starts off with the Galatians. He says, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, You stupid ducks! You foolish Galatians, he's not pulling his punches at all. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. He says this very sarcastically. He knows the answer. He's asking sarcastically. He says, I'd like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human efforts? 
In other words, what Paul is saying is what's true of us. If you're sitting in this room and you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, your master, your boss, if that is you, then that didn't happen except that the Holy Spirit of the living God woke you up to say, hmm, maybe I need to get right with the God who created me. Not nobody, not nowhere gets right with God except that the Holy Spirit wakes us up. It wasn't your own logic that clicked in and said, maybe I better get right with God. It was the Holy Spirit, as the King Jimmy says, quickened us or awakened us or made known to us in a way that only he can. You were made by God and you need to be in right relationship with him. We all do. And and that waking up process that happened to me at age 14, 15 That was the Holy Spirit's doing. It wasn't TJ's own brilliance or logic that occurred to me that I needed to get right with him. And that's true of every single one of us. The Holy Spirit wakes us up to the need for our right relationship with God. Well, if nobody nowhere gets right with God apart from the Holy Spirit in the first place, why then do we immediately kick into this American mentality of, Boom, now I'm a Christian, and so I'm going to tough it out, and I'm going to bootstrap it, and I'm going to make myself a better person by my own sheer willpower. It doesn't work. And that's what Paul is telling us. Why, if you know that you got right with God because of what God did in your life, why then would you, from from step two forward, why would you try to do it on your own gas? Why would you try to attain this goal, this lofty goal of holiness that God calls us to on your own juice? And so that's what the Holy Spirit is for. And when Jesus is there at the, at the upper room, the, the last supper that he will share with his disciples before he will go and die this grisly death and go and, and, and resurrect and ascend later on, All of the conversation surrounds the fact that if I don't go, this one won't come. And when this one does come, he will lead you and guide you in the ways of all truth. So, this is Junior Hire's favorite illustration in the history of the universe, okay? And and it is the fact that the, the, the Holy Spirit is like chocolate milk. And so what I do on your standard junior high ski retreat is I take a glass of chocolate milk like this and then I take a little sip of telling them how much I love chocolate milk and then spew it all over the place because, oh, that's white milk. I hate white milk. I can't stand white milk. It's disgusting. White milk is my least favorite drink on the planet. I thought this was chocolate milk. You told me you put a ton of chocolate in there. What's the matter? And then the junior hires, that's how I talk. And then the junior hires reveal the problem with the situation. What is the problem with the situation? It's what? Oh, you've got to stir it up. Well, fortunately, I have a spoon right here in my pocket. And so you tell the junior hires, so wait a second. What you're telling me is the chocolate is in there, but I need to, oh, okay. And so I give a little, and a little, mm, and a little, ah. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. There you go. So the Holy Spirit is like chocolate milk. Well, here's the point. The point is, 
When we came to Christ, the Holy Spirit came inside. He indwells us. He woke us up to the fact that we need to get right. But what happens is the Holy Spirit of the living God is a gentleman. He doesn't drag us kicking and screaming into right living. The Holy Spirit of God will take a back seat if our will, our free will, our stubborn will overrides Him and, and we kind of let that settle down, we let that initial relationship, the, the, the power and the excitement and the enthusiasm of it at first kind of settles down here into our left leg and the Holy Spirit's still in there, but our lives kind of come in time to taste like this boring, bland, yuck, white milk kind of existence again. And why is that? Chung, 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 chung. Because you have to stir it up. We have to stir the spirit who is within us because he is a gentleman, because he will stand on the sidelines, uh, even, even in a worship service, even in churches all across America. If we say we know better than God what worship requires, he'll go, okay, I'll just stand over here, not to be rude, not to be, but he'll just kind of go over here and say, all right, you, you guys do it on your own strength. We say, no, 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 we don't want to do it on our own strength. Spirit of God, we want to invite you into our presence, into our presence as individuals, into our corporate presence to inform us, to guide us, to to lead us into the way of doing right things versus wrong things because my human nature isn't prone towards right things. My human nature is prone towards all kinds of ugly things, I'm sorry to say. So I'm out biking in Conshohocken. I don't look like those guys when I'm biking. I'm wearing gym shorts and an old t-shirt. These guys from Team Motorola that passed me on the bike path in Conshohocken, oh my gosh, these dudes are studs. They're wearing these like sleek little unitard thingers, I don't know what you call them, and uh, their bikes are like thousands and thousands of dollars. Their bike costs more than my house, and they, they, they're I mean, just the calves on these guys. Have you ever seen a professional racer? They're like, boom, like fat apples. These guys are studs. I'm like, whoa, these guys are awesome. And they pass me, and I'm not like that. And, and I'm like, okay, I could just and say that I saw them. Or I could try. I could try to turn this bike around and ride with the greatest bikers in the whole world. So what do you think I did? I let them go. No, uh, no, I turned the thing around. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with the best bikers in the world. Tell my grandkids I did. No time soon. Tell my grandkids that I did or, or die trying, right? And so I turned the bike around and I, I kick it for all I'm worth. And they just, they passed a few seconds ago, right? But they're already way down the trail. So I'm like kicking it for all I'm worth. <laughs> And I'm getting it going as best as I can. And even though they were taking it easy, the fact of the matter is, it was the day before the big race, and they're just kind of outstretching their legs. But what for them is like a little warm-up ride was for me was, forget it. I'm like, I'm peaked, I'm exhausted, I'm ready to quit. I get myself right to the back tire of the last guy in this group. They call the group... A peloton. <laughs> it's a French word, okay? The peloton. And what the peloton, it's a French word for platoon. And it, it means just this 
bunch of guys, this group of guys. And I got myself right behind the last guy in the peloton, and something really bizarre and unexpected and surprising happened at that moment. It got easy. Like, really easy. I couldn't believe it. They didn't slow down. They were still going just as fast. It was all I could do to try to catch up with them. But once I did get there, it got easy. Does anybody know why? I'm, t- I'm asking a physics question now. Does anybody know why at that moment it got easy? Yes! Drafting! Very good! Somebody give me a, a layman's definition of what drafting is. What's drafting? exactly right golf clap please outstanding scientific answer they are a windshield and if you watched in one of those kind of uh you know one of those aerodynamics wind tubes where they blow the blue smoke over you would see them carving the blue smoke around them and behind them in the wake it actually circles back and goes very briefly in the other direction and so i had somehow without even realizing it i had plunked myself down in this invisible eddy this this flow of rushing wind that was going in the direction that they were going in and all of a sudden I'm not fighting the wind at all as a matter of fact it's coming around behind and it's actually helping me so when they do team racing the pros depending on where the wind is coming from and how big the team is they can make it 40 50 60 70 percent easier for the person who's in the back as opposed to those who are shielding the wind up front so i had plunked myself down into this invisible ball of rushing wind i didn't need to worry about my direction i didn't need to worry about my speed all i needed to do was stay in this invisible ball of rushing wind that's kind of like when we're called by Paul to stay in step with the Spirit. So then, predictably, I got cocky. Stupid thing to do. I'm like, these Europeans, they don't know what they're doing. Their calves aren't that strong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wax these dudes. This is easy back here. So I pull out to the left. And I go shooting up uh, alongside, trying to get out in front of them, and I'm going to actually beat these guys. I tell you, I didn't get two feet out to the side, and the wind's hitting me again. When it, it, seriously, it felt like somebody ripped the windshield off. I was exhausted almost immediately. It was all I could do just to fall back and not fall off altogether. But I got myself back into that invisible ball of rushing wind. That's what the Spirit's like. Very few times in my life have I had that two-by-four experience with the Holy Spirit clonking me over the head with what I must do. More often than not, daily, it's that still, small voice. A very gentle tug on the shirt that says, no, go this way instead. No, do that instead. No, Don't treat that person that way. No, this is a more important use of your time. And that's how the Holy Spirit gently, quietly leads us and guides us. Very infrequently, in my experience, does He scream at the top of His lungs. But if we take the time to get quiet and listen, we'll feel that gentle tug, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in the right direction. We don't need to worry about our speed. We don't need to worry about our direction. 
we just stay in step with the Spirit. We listen to that still small voice. Now, you say, all right, well, but all of this stuff, all of this Holy Spirit stuff that you're talking about, TJ, is invisible. So how do I know? How do I know if the stuff that's coming from me, if my behavior is the stuff of the Spirit, or the stuff that's of the TJ, of the flesh, of my sinful nature? Well, the good news is, that same Paul who wrote the letter to the Galatians comes up with a list. And he says it in no uncertain terms. He says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which means drunken partying, idolatry, which is worshiping the creation over the creator. Witchcraft, true or false, there's no such thing as witchcraft on the main line uh, outside of Philadelphia today. False. I'd love to tell you it's not. I'm not saying if you, you know, like dabble in some of the things that, that you know, are of the, the kind of dark arts that you're a witch, but I am saying if you dabble in them, stop. The only person God ever wants us to go to to seek out our future is to Him. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He gives us a list. If the stuff that's coming out of you and me, and I'm embarrassed to tell you how often some of the things on this list come out of me, if that's what's coming out of you, then that's an indication that you're not, maybe. We are not being led as much by the Holy Spirit as we could. There's a good side to the list, too. But the fruit of the Spirit, say it with me, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things as these, there is no law. And so we need to be in the process of constantly re-evaluating. I get tired of the constant reevaluation. I get tired of constantly looking. Okay, it's okay if we get tired of doing that, but I don't have to ignore the Holy Spirit very long before I start to see the stuff on the bad list start to crop back up. And it has to be very intentional and daily the effort that I would see fruit growing from this tree. Love. Joy, which is not quite defined the same as happiness. Happiness being glad based on your circumstances. Joy being glad regardless of your circumstances. It's a very important distinction. Peace, not just meaning the lack of warfare, meaning I'm okay that this whole thing has a happy ending in God's timing. No matter what craziness is going on in my world right now, no matter what things are going on in, in my career that I hadn't hoped for, in, in my relationships that I hadn't hoped for, in, in my finances that I would have be otherwise, no matter what's going on there, the whole thing has a happy ending. And when I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm seeing things in God's vision with a view of peace over all of it. All will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things 
will be where will be well forbearance which means patience kindness all of this stuff all of this is what we call that's our big word for the day sanctification sanctification so you you'll you watch some some old movie where the where the, the, the priest in Latin says, Patria Vilia Spiritu Sancto, or, or, or uh, sanctification, or sanctify, or, or sacrosanct. The S-A-N-C prefix is the prefix of holiness. Holy is what it means. So, we're justified when Jesus dies on the cross, he breathes his last. He says it is finished. That means your sins and mine, if we're willing to accept that wonderful gift, are washed away as far as the east is from the west. At that moment, we're justified. But we're still called to live a holy life. We're still called to improve. And that improvement process is sanctification, holification. I'm trying to be a holier person not holier than now so i can annoy you and brag and be one of those annoying christians that lets you know how holy i am and how not holy you are nobody wants to spend time with those folks they're annoying all right but admitting to ourselves that we do want to grow in our likeness to christ so what i'm going to show you uh is something that, that somebody showed me, one of my mentors showed me years ago on a napkin in a diner. And it, it's so simple to draw, but so, so profound to me that it stuck with me forever. And I love sharing it with others when I have the opportunity. And what he said is, he said, there's sort of a line when we come to Christ, a tiny little mark here and a tiny little mark here. And what this is here is... The holiness, the holiness of God, or what we perceive to be the holiness of God. And then the other line is what we perceive to be our own sinfulness, our own fallenness, okay? And so, so we see those two things, and for me it happened around age 14, age 15, that somebody explained to me that I needed to have Jesus bridge the gap between my sinful fallenness and his wonderful holiness. And what bridges that space is the cross. So the cross bridges the gap between my sinfulness and my holiness. When you're very young in Christ and you're sort of dumb like I was and maybe just a little bit arrogant, you don't realize that you think that that gap is rather small. And so what he went on to explain to me is that as time marches forward, well, God is not actually getting more holy. He's as holy as he has ever been. He was as holy from the first to the last, and there is no beginning and there is no end, so he's as holy as anybody could ever be all along. But my perception of his holiness as I grow in Christ, and I grow to see more of the nuances, more of the intricacies, more of the details that make up God's character. I, I am more aware of his holiness, not that he's becoming any more holy, but I'm more aware of the aspects and attributes of his holiness. At the same time as time marches on, unfortunately or fortunately, I am more aware 
of what a, a sinner I am. I, uh, hopefully we're not getting worse as people. We're not becoming worse individuals. But I am more and more aware of every knee-jerk, selfish, greedy, uh, lustful, prideful, racist, you, you name it. Every ugly thing a person can be, we need to be more and more aware that that stuff is capable of taking root inside of us and is inside of us and can grow. And we need to constantly be killing it death by starvation. And so what he showed was the process of sanctification is... I am more and more aware of God's holiness and more and more aware of my own fallenness. So in time, what happens is I'm perceiving what Jesus did that day on the cross. That cross is getting bigger and bigger to the point where as I'm really starting to mature in my walk with him, Calvary is huge. What Jesus did for me on the cross is huge. Not because God's becoming holier and I'm becoming worse, I hope. But because I'm more and more aware. And that process of realizing that he's holy and I'm capable of some really horrible stuff, that is the process that leads me towards sanctification. That is the process that leads me to want to be guided into right ways. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things as these, there is no law. I want to share one last thing before I I wrap up for this one morning. I I, I thank you all for, for letting me fill in and be substitute preacher for the morning. Can't wait for Jason to come back, even if he's got bandages on his tootsies. But, um, when you all do Bible studies in this church, and when you all get together and, and dig in and pray, one of the things that I found out is not so helpful is when you read the good stories and the good examples and the good people in the Scripture And all we do is say to ourselves, wow, I'm glad I'm so much like them. And then we close the Bible and go on our holy ways. Or when we read the bad stories and the bad examples and uh, that, that terrible list that we read earlier and read all those things and we say, boy, am I glad I'm not like that. Boom. And we go on our holier than thou ways. What actually is most helpful, I find, is to look at the bad list and say, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I was that this week. I really was kind of selfish in that regard. Yeah, I was thinking of myself over others in that regard. Thank you. And it's not not the Holy Spirit punishing you and beating you up to browbeat you and make you feel terrible. It's the Holy Spirit gently letting you know of something that could use a little improvement so that you give it to Him, throw it at the foot of the cross, say that's carried away as far as the east is from the west, and carry on as one who has been cleaned again and again and again through His sanctifying Holy Spirit. And likewise, that good list. I want to be able to read that good list and say, 
you know what? I could use a little bit more of that. I could use a little bit more of that love. I could use a little bit more of that joy, that peace, that kindness. I, I'm not going to wait for such and such a circumstance to get right and then everybody will be able to put up with me again. I'm going to start now. I'm going to start now. Because as I allow the Holy Spirit to gently nudge me and lead me and guide me into right living, that's when we start to look more and more like the character of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to to be here with uh, some old friends and lots of new friends. God, we do pray for Pastor Jason as he makes his way back and, and do give him rest, Lord God. We thank you for the opportunity to be with you. God, we pray. Uh, we don't need to pray for your Holy Spirit to indwell us because you're already there. But we do need to pray chung, 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 that we would stir you up, that we would stir your spirit, that we would ask you to have your way with us, that you would lead us into right paths of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and lead us away from that, that bad list of selfish, self-seeking, uh, knee-jerk reactions to which we are so prone. God, grow us up. Grow us up in, in you, Lord. Your Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us every step of the way and help us to look more and more like the character, your son, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. Hi, guys. My name is Johanna. I'm here from the prayer team. Um, and on Sunday mornings, we meet at 9 a.m. This is going down. Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. Um, we meet at 9 a.m. to pray over the service and to ask for God's um, words, um, his inbreaking of the Holy Spirit to just really speak to us and lead us. Um, so this morning um, we prayed a lot of different things, but one word that was really evident was the word joy um, and praying joy over um, each of us, each of, uh, each of you. And um, we also received the scripture, and so I want to read it, um, and it just goes hand in hand with what TJ was just preaching. Um, It's from Isaiah 30, verse um, 21, and it says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Um, And if that scripture speaks to you, uh, please come up for prayer. And um, don't be limited to just that, um, but come up for anything. We would love to pray with you. Um, There will be people from our prayer team here all throughout the worship time. um, And um, we would love to pray with you guys. Uh, Guys, if you could stand for 